Hello and thank you for tuning into Sideline Story, your destination for sports news, analysis and discussions. I'm your host, Brandon Yates, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, Yang Guang and Tian Yu joins us once again. And today we will be talking about some new elements of the World Cup that we will be focusing on as the weeks progress. And uh, Yang Guang, I'd like to start with you. Which games are your favorites so far from the first round of the group stages? Uh, Portugal against Ghana. Um, a lot of dramas, a lot of ups and downs. I would call it the biggest um, thriller so far um, in Qatar. The second half, after the penalty by Cristiano Ronaldo, the two teams exchanged goals and the game became very open. And Ghana showcased their resilience. They could have triggered another major upset, especially in the final minutes. Um, their striker was hiding behind Portuguese goalkeeper Diogo Costa. He almost stole it and uh, leveled the game. That could have been a classic moment in World Cup history. Um, Portugal's attacking line, as we mentioned in previous episodes, um, is marvellous. They made some good plays inside box. João Felix's goal was fabulous. But I have to say, um, behind this exciting game is a warning to Portugal's defense. They are more fragile than people expected. Ruben Diaz was seen uh, among the best uh, centre-backs in the world, I would say, but certainly it was not a convincing night. And then João Cancelo as the right-back also is a sport that the opponents took advantage of. Um, Portugal needs to work on its defense if they want to go deep uh, in the World Cup. But um, anyway, Portugal against Ghana was definitely my choice, my favorite game in the first week. Yeah, I must say, when the World Cup began, when um, you know we were looking at the initial stages of the World Cup, I definitely had Portugal as one of my favorites to go on to um, the highest levels of the World Cup and potentially reach you know the the semi final and hopefully the final. And um, look, they did win against Ghana, and I think. Uh, like you said, there were some surprises. The fact that the defense was a bit shaky because they do have world-class players like Ruben, Ruben Diaz and Joao Cancelo at the back. But, wow, the goalkeeper had probably one of the worst games that he's probably had in his career in the opening <laughs> game of the World Cup. And, yeah, the performances of um, Ruben Diaz and Joao Cancelo, for example, I mean, who are considered, you know, world-class players at, at the top of their game, I think were their performances were also quite disappointing. But I think when looking at uh, a team like that, the fact that they didn't necessarily perform that well defensively, but still managed to win because of their attacking prowess, I think that's a good sign mm-hmm. um, for their first game as the tournament progresses, because even though they didn't perform well, they still claimed victory. So I think, you know, they can go back to the drawing board, look at w- where they made mistakes and improve in their following games but still having won that game, whereas a team like Argentina that lost to you know Saudi Arabia, I'm sure they will improve their performances massively as they go forward. But there's just a lot more pressure on them now, having lost that first game, and you know um, that can affect their performances in the next couple of mm-hmm. games as they try and reach the knockout stages. So I think Portugal will, will be extremely happy that even though defensively they were looking a bit weak. Um, they still managed to win the game. And like you said, their star attackers like João Felix, Cristiano Ronaldo, and even some of their midfielders performed relatively well. And, you know, just the depth that Portugal has is crazy as well. I didn't know that Rafael Leal was Portuguese. For some reason, I thought he was. Um, 
Brazilian and didn't make the spot. And I just thought, wow, he's been such a fantastic performer mm. for Indeed. AC Milan this season. I couldn't believe he didn't make the Brazil squad. And then I just saw him come off the bench for Portugal. And I thought, my goodness, a, a, a talent <laughs> like that is on the bench. Um, so I think Portugal um, can definitely go on and have a great World Cup. And yeah, um, Yang Kwang, I have to agree. I think that that game in particular was really exciting. Um, Tian Yu, from your perspective, any games in particular that stand out for you from the first round of the group stages? Uh, my personal favorites would definitely be the two stunning victories gained by the two Asian teams. Saudi Arabia and Japan were all deemed to be minnows before the two matches, and they turned out to append the two heavy favorites. I think that uh, the two upsets really proved again that no team should be looked down upon in this tournament. So start with the Group E clash. Uh, Germany was controlling the ball for most of the time. They were able to pass the ball to the penalty area, but just failed to turn their advantage into a go, just like what they were faced with uh, four years ago. I think they just need a real center forward who can score. Uh, after Klose's retirement, the German team simply lacks the ability to terminate the game with a go. You know, Havertz and Muziala are not real strikers, and Mukoko is still too young. As for the Japanese side, I think their vic- victory owes a lot to the team's ability to stay calm when they were one go behind, and also, more importantly, the coach's decision to make the sort of substitutions that can change the game. They don't have strong bodies like the German side does, but they were more persistent, and they just kept, kept running for the whole game to add to their defense line, and their tireless running finally paid off after um, the substitutions were made. The team changed their counter-attacking approach in the first half to a far more intense pressing game in midfield, which got them to the two goals. Uh, now to the Group C match. I think the three goals cancelled by the VAR ruling did take a toll on the mental state of the Argentines, but they also squandered many chances and just uh, and they didn't expand their advantage gained by Messi's penalty. Um, Saudi Arabia has been sticking to, sticking to a high defensive line, which was a high-risk strategy when you were against strong teams like Argentina. But it, it has also given the Argentines uh, three root-out goals due to offsides. Even though they can control the ball under their feet and uh, the Argentines do have the greatest player of all time, they, uh, they face similar trouble shared by the German team, which is a lack of tall striker that can dominate the penalty area. And uh, Saudi Arabia's players certainly need more praise. They were tireless, dangerous, physical, and really well-organized, and their goals were brilliant. So we can see clearly how the Asian teams have kept improving. You know, four years ago, Japan was very very close to knocking out Belgium and advancing to the World Cup quarterfinals, and this time, they began their journey with the biggest shocking victory they have ever gained over the four-time world champion Germany, and Saudi Arabia has become the first non-European team to beat Argentina at the World Cup since Cameroon did in 1990. So I really enjoyed watching these two games, since I'm not a fan of Argentina or Germany. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have to agree with you. Um, I mean, as a Portugal and Cristiano Ronaldo fan, I was, uh, I shouldn't be admitting this, but I was thrilled to see Saudi Arabia (laughs) um, go on and defeat uh, Messi's Argentina. But yeah, I have to, you know, you mentioned a couple of uh, interesting elements there. I think the fact that some of these lower ranked or so-called minnow teams um, are performing relatively well, I think this is something that might be 
relatively consistent or troubling for the big teams, particularly in the um, first couple of games in the group stages, um, is the fact that they have no fear. They are, like you said, some of them are really well-managed, really well-organized, very well-prepared. And also they have so much heart and determination. They are willing to run their hearts out for the full 90 mm-hmm. minutes and beyond. And I think that's something that some of the bigger teams are going to struggle with because like um, Yang Guang and Fu Yu and, and we, uh, we've we mentioned in previous podcasts, the fact that, you know, the European uh, club seasons were finishing, you know, just a week or a couple of days before the World Cup began. So I think a lot of these bigger teams are extremely fatigued and aren't ready to come up against teams that are just willing to, you know, you, that aren't necessarily as skilled or organized as them, but you know, just have a lot more legs and energy maybe than they have. So I think that may be one of the the reasons why we've seen a couple of upset results. But having said that, I also agree with you that a lot of these teams have improved. So, for example, I think, you know, well, besides the fact that Germany didn't really have an out-and-out striker, um, which I think has been a huge problem for them for quite some time, Hmm. you know, the Japanese side is, uh, you know, a really good side. They've got some fantastic players Saudi Arabia defeat of Argentina, I think that is something that no one in the world could have predicted. And I think seeing a result like that is just always a fantastic element of the World Cup, particularly, you know, in these uh, first couple of games of the group stages. Look, I'm sure Argentina will will bounce back and, and um, potentially get through to the to the uh, knockout stages. Um, but in this first round in the, and the first couple of games of the knockout stages, it's always fantastic to see some of these teams that weren't expected to do well to produce some upset performances and hopefully take it even further and get through to the knock- knockout stages. So, um, Yang Guang, of course, um, Chinese fans and just football fans and just sports fans in general around the world will have their eyes glued to this FIFA World Cup in Qatar. But just from your perspective, who do you and other Chinese fans think are the best team right now? Well, for from my personal perspective, the best team so far, Brazil. Um, I know England was fantastic. Spain mm. was flawless as well. Um, but um, Brazil truly showcased what a World Cup winner needs, balance. Um, in that game against Serbia, uh, they didn't hesitate when attacking, but they kept patient. Brazil didn't score in the first half, but they in the second half, they were not rushed at all and it's a mature squad of players and they've got so many talents to rely on uh, meantime they are very solid in defense serbia didn't make any real threats uh, brazil totally controlled game that's something other powers failed to achieve especially as you mentioned argentina and uh, germany uh, when i checked on so- social media many chinese fans would echo this brazil's dominance certainly impressed a lot of people. I agree uh, on one of their comments. Brazil, Brazil's game is not huge in margin in terms of the score, but um, they definitely made their opponents hopeless. Um, this is really a good summary uh, of Brazil's World Cup opener. To me, they are, they are like a beast. They don't bite a lot, but every bite is lethal, and uh, their prey has no chance to escape. Uh, by the way, that goal by Richarlison is truly a piece of art. Uh, I could yeah. watch the replay of that kick a thousand times. Yeah, I think that could be going down as one of the iconic goals of the World mm-hmm. Cup, particularly if Brazil you know, progress through to the latter stages of, of the World Cup, which I think they will, because I agree with you. I think that 
everyone was just expecting Brazil to kind of, you know, go out there with no particular tactics in mind and just throw on like six or seven strikers and just go all out on attack. And they did. You know, I think the fact that Vinicius and Richarlison and, um, you know, Rafinha played quite well, I think the fact that their attackers performed really well is a good sign. However, I also agree with you that they looked patient. They were very good on the ball. They were defensively very sound. Thiago Silva was a class act at the back. I think besides mm-hmm. his defensive ability, he's able to link the defense and midfield really well. Casemiro is showing all of his experience once again and is looking like an absolute beast in that midfield, um, particularly defensively and also his ability to also link the midfield to the attack. So I think, and of course, Allison at the back is probably one of, if not the best goalkeepers in the world. So I think you know, everyone's been talking about Brazil's attackers, but there's a lot more to them than just um, the star strikers that they have, you know, like Neymar, Vinicius, um, Rafinha, and the list goes on and on. Um, I think that Brazil are looking like a really strong unit, particularly through the spine of their squad. Um, I think things are looking very good for Brazil right now and are definitely one of the best teams to look out for in the World Cup, as expected. Um, Tianyu, of course, Chinese fans have also been reacting to the upsets, losses for Argentina and Germany. Who do you and other Chinese fans, from your perspective, think are the best team in the world right now? Okay, just like uh, Yang Guang said, uh, Brazil is doing great, and and I th- and I think so far England, uh, France, and Spain have also been doing pretty well. Uh, I really expect the English team to go further since they've got a bunch of young, talented players. You know, like the the likes of Bellingham, Saka, Foden, and Grealish. And they've got a strong attack line. Uh, I want to mention that the two Manchester United players, Rashford and Maguire, were also doing better than uh, mm. they did in the Premier League. So I would say England is one of the top te- top teams in the tournament so far. And as for France, even though uh, they lost Karim Benzema and Lucas Hernandez, they still have a great squad. And the the Spanish team also proved their dominance. So I think these four teams are currently the best among others. And even though I'm a fan of Portugal and Cristiano Ronaldo too, (laughs) I don't expect them to go far because, you know, Ronaldo is not the man he was uh, four years years or eight years ago. Uh, Even though I'm happy to see he earned a penalty himself and scored in a match against Ghana, we can still see that time has taken a toll on him. And the defense line led by Pepe, who is already 39 years old, it also seems a little bit shaky, like Yang Guang said. So, and mm. uh, talking about the two upsets to Argentina and Germany, the two teams have got quite a lot of fans in China, and most of them were very disappointed at their performance. And uh, there are also some who celebrate the victories gained by Saudi Arabia and Japan. You know, we are happy to see the rise of the Asian teams. And to be honest, we really envy the fans of the two teams and. I hope the day can come when we can see the Chinese team playing in the fields of the World Cup. Yeah, I'm hoping to see that relatively soon as well. And I think, you know, um, look, I'm also backing Portugal and Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> but I also think that, um, look, they're not looking like one of, definitely not looking like one of the strongest teams at the World Cup right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think a, a couple of teams that you mentioned there, France, Spain, England, um, of course, Brazil. I think those are some of the, the teams that are really looking very impressive at this point in time. And yeah, it's funny, you know, I wasn't even really thinking of, of England before we started chatting about this podcast, but I have to agree with you. They're looking pretty strong at this point in time. Look, I think I, I hate to, you know, I shouldn't be so harsh on this guy, but I don't think it was possible for Harry Maguire to perform <laughs> any worse. So I think the fact that he had 
a relatively decent start to yeah, the World Cup besides, you know, being at fault for one of the goals that England conceded. Um, he, he's looking okay, and some, <laughs> for some reason, Gareth Southgate keeps picking him. Um, but, yeah, the rest of the squad's looking really good. I think um, some of the young attackers, like you mentioned, um, uh, Phil Foden, uh, uh, Bukaro Saka, um, Harry Kane's looking pretty good at this point. And just some of the, the talent that, that they have coming off the bench as well to close off games, I think, is also really boding well for England. Um, their squad depth, I think, is going to potentially take them really far yeah some of the other teams that we've mentioned um you know like like we've already said brazil spain and of course defending champions france are also all looking pretty impressive right now and i think france also deserves like you said a lot of praise the fact that they are missing so many players you know paul pogba and golo kante karim benzema and are still performing really well in the well having performed well in the first game and it remains to be seen how they perform throughout the rest of the knockout stages but as things stand they're looking pretty good right now so i think they deserve a lot of praise for that young Guang, of course um i just spoke to Tianyu about um the upsets losses of argentina and germany what were your thoughts or what perspectives did you gain either yourself or from chinese fans about those um those two upset losses for those powerhouse teams uh, well, for Argentina and Germany, most um, Chinese fans, I believe, were shocked, uh, like the rest of the world. I think both Argentina and Germany underestimated their opponents, especially after the first half. Both Argentina and Germany were awarded penalties and um, built one new lead. Clearly, they didn't make proper adjustments in the second half, but um, credit must be given to Saudi Arabia and Japan, as Tianyu said. They were... Not collapsed while falling behind, but uh, organized their defense very well, sustained their opponent's attack, waited for their own chances, and finally made the right play at the right time. Uh, For Chinese fans, those are two games we did a lot of reflection, and we should do a lot of reflection. Saudi Arabia and Japan are both Asian teams. Um, To be honest, um, we are kind of jealous um, of their victories against the world powers. But um, they also offer us an example or a path of football development we can learn. Um, Japan suffered a 3-2 defeat to Belgium at the Russian World Cup four years ago. And they were beaten by a final minute goal by Belgium with a counter-attack finished in 14 seconds. They spent years, four years, to analyze what went wrong in those 14 seconds and to try to find a solution to avoid similar errors. That's something Team China should learn. Um, pay attention to every detail on the pitch and reflect our mistakes, yes. mistakes some made in the game. Ch- Chinese football had tried to learn from Germany, Spain, from Brazil, uh, learn their style of play, their game strategy, but... More realistically, uh, we should start from our fellow Asian teams. Japan and Saudi Arabia have proved that Asian teams could be giant killers. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting way of looking at those two results of Saudi Arabia and Japan against Argentina and Germany, respectively. I think it's, you know, obviously fantastic that there's been some upset results at the World Cup. But I think, you know, just particularly for Team China... Um, to look at the success of Asian teams at the World Cup, you know, of Saudi Arabia and Japan, I think that's a great way of looking at um, those results. The fact that, you know, Asian teams have improved. And I think that's something that Team China can look at and say, look, we can also, you know, improve as a team and, and go on to qualify for the next World Cup and, and produce some top quality performances and, and you know, 
continue to improve the levels of football, not just in China, but on the Asian continent. I think that's a really fantastic takeaway. Um, Yang Guang, of course, we know that China has been heavily involved in um, the FIFA World Cup in Qatar 2022, not necessarily, of course, with um, the football team, but of course, um, in elements such as stadium construction. What can you tell me about China's involvement um, in terms of the preparations for the FIFA World Cup in Qatar? Um, yes, the stadium for the final game and the closing ceremony, the iconic Lucelle Stadium, uh, was actually built by China, and as well as another one hosting the World Cup Games in Qatar. Um, China has been dubbed the infra- infrastructure monster. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's not a surprise Qatar would seek Chinese um, constructors in building the most landmark stadium of this World Cup. Um, Actually, back in China, we also built many stadiums for the 2023 Asian Cup across different Chinese cities. Like here in Beijing, there's a massive renovation work on an iconic stadium in downtown Beijing. And uh, when the work is completed, when it's done by the end of this year, I believe, um, it would be one of the largest stadiums in the country uh, with a very beautiful design. Um, Although it's um, it's a pity we wouldn't host the Asian Cup next year um, due to COVID, but um, those modern stadiums would be a great legacy for China uh, to beat for other tournaments, maybe a World Cup sometime in the future. Yeah, that would be fantastic to see. I would love to see China host a FIFA World Cup um, in the in the future, and I think that that's definitely possible considering um, you know the 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 success we've seen of some of the development from China's side in Qatar, and of course um, for some of the events that fantastic events that China have hosted at home. So I think that's definitely um, on the horizons. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, Tian Yu, we also know that China have been involved in other preparations um, for the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. What can you tell me uh, tell me about that? Yeah, so even though uh, the Chinese team did not make their appearance on the World Cup court, um, Chinese companies are investing heavily in the tournament. You know, four Chinese brands have become the biggest sponsors at the World Cup Qatar 2022. You know, they uh, outspending U.S. giants like Coca-Cola and McDonald's. So official data shows China's sponsors have contributed nearly 1.4 billion U.S. dollars for the World Cup. And among them, the biggest Chinese sponsor in Qatar by far is Wanda Group, who committed $850 million as part of a 15-year deal that covers all World Cup events up until 2030. And Vivo is spending an estimated $450 million U.S. dollars. And apart from that, uh, football fans around the world have come to know the little cute mascot of the tournament, which is called Laib. And the toy companies in China's Guangdong province have been producing and packing souvenirs of the mascot for the World Cup. And they are also using uh, recyclable materials and technologies like 3D printing to be eco-friendly and efficient. Yeah, I think it's fantastic to see that China's involvement in the World Cup has seen um, a lot of companies and um, other organizations getting involved. And hopefully that sees um, the growth of, um, you know, whoever's invested in that World Cup from from China's side. And yeah, like we mentioned earlier, hopefully we can see um, China host the FIFA World Cup in the future. I think that would be fantastic to see. One aspect I have to mention uh, of China's involvement here is um, three Chinese referees actually attending the World Cup in Qatar. Uh, the last time a Chinese referee um, appeared at the World Cup was still 
two decades ago. It's nothing. This is nothing like manufacturing products or building stadiums in Qatar. It actually represents Chinese football's direct involvement in the World Cup. Referees are very important part of the games. They are the guarantee of the quality games. So, to have Chinese referees in World Cups, to me, it represents an Really solid improvement of Chinese football, though our national team is not in Qatar playing the games. Yeah, absolutely, and I think、um, the the Chinese officials definitely deserve a lot of praise for having reached the FIFA World Cup. I think that's a great、um, element of Chinese football development, and of course, like we've already mentioned, there's been so much Chinese investment、um, off the field in the World Cup, and that's fantastic to see. And also, hopefully, we see. Um, Team China reach the、uh, future FIFA World Cup tournaments and potentially China hosting a World Cup in the future. We'll have to wait and see. But that is all we have time for on this week's episode of Sideline Story. Thank you so much for joining us, and of course, next week we will be back with our latest topic, and we'll see you then.